Christine, remember when you were a kid and you thought that your career was going to be this like perfect straight line trajectory? Oh my, yes. That is not at all what happened. It ended up being way more of a squiggle than I could have ever imagined. And I am so happy that I embraced all of the squiggles along the way. Welcome everyone to Embrace the Squiggle podcast, where we uncover the hidden gems of career transformation, one unfiltered squiggly adventure at a time. We are Colleen. And Christine. And this is Jill Rodowitz. I am so excited to talk to Jill today. So Jill, we always start these with how we found our podcast guests. And I have to say that I have known you since you were 16 years old and a young high school student when I was running a volunteer department at a hospital and you came to volunteer because you were going to be a surgeon at the time. So I can't wait to hear about your squiggly career and see kind of how this has all evolved through the years. Welcome. Thank you. All right. So I always open with, what did you think you wanted to be when you were a kid? And I feel like I've already given people a snippet into this, but what did you want to be when you were a kid? So as you already mentioned, I had these dreams of being an orthopedic surgeon. And it was because I had actually had cancer when I was a kid and an orthopedic surgeon had, you know, quote unquote, saved my leg, like from amputation. And so I was just so inspired. So obviously I just had to be this thing because I was given, you know, my part of my life back. So I was so inspired. I need to help these kids. And I was imagining me left and right, just like saving limbs all over. And yeah, I wanted that like feeling. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. This is my calling. Like, obviously this happened for uh, a reason and it would just be the best thing. I remember that summer because you were the first student that I was able to manage to get into an operating room. You were working with Dr. Daryl Ruark, right, who was one of the few doctors who thought it was a really cool idea. We were at a hospital that didn't have stadium. So like if you someone who watches Grey's Anatomy, right, there wasn't that place where you could sit and watch surgery. You were legitimately in the room with the whole team standing there at age 16. Yeah, I was like, I felt a little bit out of my league. Like, how am I allowed to be in here? And even the first surgery that I saw was cleaning out an arthroscopy of a knee. And I'm standing there, you know, in my my gown. And suddenly I'm starting to get splattered with, you know, material from this body, like blood and tissue and who knows what else. And then Daryl's like, oh, come up. Do you want to come take a look into the you know, the knee. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. So I go up, I stand up and I look into that knee. And then I was like, oh God, I need to quietly step back. I don't want to make a scene. So I quietly stepped back. I grabbed a nurse and I said, I think I'm going to go down. (laughs) And so I went out and I laid in the hallway just in front of everyone. So that was a fantastic um, opening to that. I was like, oh, God, can I even handle this? And you did. I mean, you handled it for I think you came back for like two more summers, right? You were came back a couple of times to kind of hang out with our fun little crew. Um, So let's fast forward. So 
You obviously are not an orthopedic surgeon now, unless I missed something along the way. So what, what did you end up doing? What did you study in college? And what was your first job after that? Yeah. So in college, I initially started on a track of pre-med and I actually learned my first year that there were some tests I should have taken like the year before. And suddenly I just let overwhelm basically consume me like, oh, I'm thinking I'm already behind. And I, I did what I could to try and like pass those exams and like get what I needed to get in. Um, but ultimately I was just like, okay, the, something's not working here. Like I'm putting myself through the ringer. I don't feel good about this. And I just, I need to switch. So I switched to anthropology and I had dreams of being, you know, the next Indiana Jones. And as it turns out, archaeology is, it's a lot of being bored, re reading papers and very technical things. It's not going out and, you know, raiding the Lost Ark, like I thought. So I kind of then switched over into a little bit evolutionary area of anthropology. And I even got my own skeleton, a human skeleton that I got to work with. And so there, I still had the bones there. Like it was all integrated, but then I graduated with an anthropology degree. And then I realized, oh, there's basically nothing you can do with this, like <laughs> it, practically. So <laughs> I was like, okay. I had already been working at Walgreens as like a front store type clerk and one of the pharmacists asked me to come back and maybe work in the pharmacy. So I was like, okay, I'll just do this while I finish college. And as it turns out, I didn't want to be uncomfortable. And staying in pharmacy was what was comfortable for me. And that's what I let the thought of discomfort like hold me back from the things I wanted to do. So I did that for the next 12 or 15 years. I feel like lots of us do that, right? Like we get really comfortable in something and we don't want to leave because it's known, right? The fear of the unknown yeah. is really scary. Ah, it really is. And, and just feeling uncomfortable when we, when we feel that we think that there's something wrong, actually wrong. Where when you we feel that that discomfort and sitting in the unknown, that's actually when the most growth happens. Learning to hold ourselves in that space and not attach to outcomes and get curious is when is when we can move move ourselves to the next level. I've been there. I've been yeah. in the I've I've sat in the in the comfortable zone for for far too long in a couple of my careers. Or my Ch career chapters, let's call them. So I can empathize with that for sure. Yeah. You've totally outed yourself as a coach <laughs> the way you just said that. Did I, did you like that language? I, I loved <laughs> it. That is my language. I understand it. I've got you. <laughs> I love it. All right. So Jill, let's lean, that leans right into like, what do you do now? So what yeah. have you leaned into now? So I get paid to help people make decisions, to make decisions quickly, and that really align with their personal values. So I help them to question what they believe now that's currently preventing them from 
making the progress they want to make in the direction they want to go and from really being the person that they want to be. So I show them what they want is possible and I help them to create it. I am a life coach now. Jill, tell us, how did you make that pivot? Like, what was that turning point or that aha moment or that, you know, just what made you pivot in that direction out of pharmacy? Sure. So I think that I've always been a bit of what's called an old soul or, you know, saying that very politely. I was an odd child, very weird. I would constantly question my existential existence, like what's, why are we here? What is good? What is bad? Like I even have like these old diary entries that I'm like, whoa, 15 year old me wrote like, oh, I don't think that, you know, good and bad really exists. I think it is just, we come up with it and interpretations of what is, and I'm just like, whoa. So I've always like, been searching for something that is greater than me. And I've never taken to any particular religion besides for really Buddhism. Buddhism really spoke to me, but the problem was that I couldn't really digest a lot of it. I couldn't really interpret it as to how it would apply to my life. Like, how do I apply this? And I just so happened to be listening to the Hidden Brain podcast and I ran out of episodes. So I needed something else. And I put in a search and I was like, well, I'm a feminist and I love psychology. And let's just see, let's put these words in here and see what comes out. And what came out was Unfuck Your Brain by Cara Lowenthal, who is another coach, life coach. She coaches women on how the patriarchy affects their brain and the psychology of it, the sociology of it, and really shows you how to make change in your life, especially if you identify as a woman or socialized as a woman. So I listened to her podcast, became obsessed, didn't even know how to coach yet, was changing my life. And then I wanted to work with her. And one of her qualifications was, well, you need to go to the school I went to. And I'm like, okay. So I looked that up. It was the life coach school. And then I saw that price tag. I was like, holy shit, $21,000. And so I'm the type of person that has trouble maybe paying $10 for a sandwich. So very, very frugal. But for some reason, from what I had just learned from this podcast, that price tag didn't scare me and I was willing to get the money. And I was just going to throw it in here because I wanted to work with this woman. I wanted to do what she was doing and I wanted to know how to help myself on a deeper level. So I did it. Well, it was an investment in yourself, right? I feel like, you know, you really hit the point that you saw you were worthy of investing in. Yeah. And it's so weird to think about that, you know, now to think that I wasn't worthy, you know, at some point, but it really is. It's just a simple switch of a belief. Like I am worthy or I am not. And it's so open to interpretation of what that even means. And so since I got to define, I realized, oh, I get to define this. You work on defining it and you make it true. I love that. And so 
you went to this training, you did your coach training. So was it coach training or was that just a... So it was a five-day live training. You could go live. I went virtual with COVID still being kind of a thing. Yep. Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And on day one, I was... I was like, oh, I'm just going to try out. Since now I know a little bit about how to coach, I'm going to try this thing out, this thing called the model. And the model is we have circumstances or facts in our life that exist. We have thoughts about them. And those thoughts cause our feelings or the emotion, one word. And those cause us to either take or not take certain actions. The feelings are like fuel. And then the culmination of those action or inactions creates a particular result that we create for ourselves in the world. And so I had learned this model. Okay, great. I know the basics. Let me just try it out. So I decided I wanted to know why I felt annoyed when sometimes my boyfriend would come by and he would kind of squeeze my butt. I was like, why am I annoyed by that? So I was like, I'll just figure it out with the model. So I put in, okay, boyfriend squeezes my butt. And what is my thought about that? I couldn't think. So I was like, well, I'm annoyed about it. So you can go, well, why am I annoyed? And then a sentence popped up in my head and it was, I'm being disrespected. When I think I'm being disrespected, I feel annoyed. And then when I'm annoyed, I don't say anything. I don't tell them I'm annoyed. I criticize myself for thinking I shouldn't be annoyed. Um, I ruminate about it. And I, I judge myself for the feelings that I do have. And so then I was like, okay, what's my result here? And I'm looking at all those things and I'm like, oh my God, I'm disrespecting me with my actions. And then by day one, you know, I'm crying on the couch, eating my leftover nachos from the day before. And I was like, oh my God, this hurts, but I can't wait to do more. (laughs) So yeah, that was like just day one. So you can imagine. I'm figuring it out and uncovering things right away. Mm -hmm. Coach training, your life will never be the same. Full stop. (laughs) It really won't. Oh my and God. I don't think people realize the, you know, yes, sure, you're putting skills in your toolbox and resources and the personal journey that individuals embark on. Like it's it's the craziest experience and yet the most powerful experience. Yeah, the training itself. If I never used, you know, my training, never coached another person and I knew that was true. I would do it all over again. Like if it was just there to help me, like a hundred percent, I would pay it and not even think about it. Yeah. I said the exact same words. I feel like almost all of us do, right? When we do that sort of training that we want to then bring out into the world, right? The training that motivates you to be like, okay, I'm ready to quit my job, or I'm ready to like double down on this. Like, this is the path I want to go down, right? Because you sign up for the training thinking you want to do that. But if you finish the training and you are, right, it's like you're zeroed in on this is my next step, which it sounds like is what you did, right? You finished that training and then what happened? 
Yeah. So I finished my training. I took a year to get certified. And then once I got certified, I was like, okay, I, how do we start a business? And I made a website and, you know, cried many hours over that website. And the fact that I didn't know how to do everything, even though I had never made a website before, lots of long hours of research of, oh, what's the difference between LLC, sole proprietorship, what kind of social media posting do I want to do? What else am I going to offer, you know, potential clients? And I ended up getting really wrapped up in all of that stuff to the point where I was like, I don't know how to move forward. So I ended up, I knew of a coach named Stacy Bowman, who actually is from the life coach school. And what she does is she helps life coaches make money. She helps them figure out all the marketing stuff and just how to get out there. So I was like, okay, yeah, I, I do need help. So once I was able to just admit I need help, which took many, many months to just, yeah. And I bought her program and now I'm out there in the world. I have a couple clients and I am going to uh, networking events and really understanding now that the point of it is to get out there and practice telling people what you do. Make offers with no outcome, like you said, attached. Like show up without attachment. Be willing to feel shame. Be willing to feel embarrassment all of the emotions that we think are just the worst possible thing in the world to feel, you you show up and when they come up, you feel them on purpose all the way through and you don't make it mean you know, that you shouldn't come back, you shouldn't have done this because you're the one who gets to decide and what you decide is ultimately going to propel you forward or not. And it sounds like you're just propelling forward now because I've seen you out multiple times over the past couple of months, like we've run into each other in multiple places out here in Massachusetts. So, I mean, I think of the whole piece, you know, there's the coaching piece, and then there's also the entrepreneurship piece, right? As you started to talk about, it's it's not an easy path going out on your own, right? There's a lot of pieces that kind of come together for it. And it sounds like you're in the thick of it too, but what has been some of the big rewards of it? I mean, you talked about some of the challenges there of kind of setting the stuff up, but what has been some of your kind of brilliant, this was fabulous kind of moments? Yeah. So probably finishing my website and mind you, I finished it like three separate times. So, but each time- Never done. I feel like we all are like, we're all tweaking it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And this last time I actually like- was like, oh, I, I'm creating a brand. Like I just realized, oh, this is, I'm branding. Cause I was using like the same colors and the same kind of font. And I just popped in my head. Oh my God, this is what branding is. Like, it sounds so boring when you just say, oh, I'm, you know, gonna do some brand things, but it's actually, if you think about it or what I think about it, it's now really fun to me. Cause I'm like, oh, this is me. Like I get to work on this thing that I've created that is an expression of who I am and, you know, who I want to be. Another kind of win for me was probably getting like my first client. And when they said yes, you'd think, okay, you're happy, you're celebrating. But my first initial response was, I was like, oh my God, I am going to be sick. (laughs) It's a little scary. 
It, yeah, I was like, what? Someone's going to trust me with their decisions? Wait, you know, then you all the questions start coming in. Wait, am I qualified for this? Like, this is wild. So once I kind of let that that drama kind of, you know, settle and leaned into it and really answered those questions, like, yeah, I am the one, you know, who's the perfect person to coach this person. Once I leaned into it, that's when it started to be fun. And I started to see myself as a professional. I started to see myself more as a professional and rather than oh, some girl who's, you know, showing up dressed up in, you know, clothes and makeup and just here like, oh, I'm, I'm a life coach. I can just, it's getting easier and easier to say every time I, I show up somewhere. Hi, I'm Jill. I'm a life coach. Nice. And I feel like that gets easier over time too, right? When you start to gain the confidence in that area. And and confidence is something that I have been slowly building. And like, if you build it in one area of life, it certainly does, you know, leak into the other areas, but you do have to really focus on the specific area that you want to really improve because if you're not addressing those specific thoughts that you have about that particular thing, then you're not really answering those, those questions for yourself. You're not making it clear. So, you know, self-confidence is something I will luckily always get to work on. I will never run out of potential to work on it. And that's like amazing to me. So, you know, one of the things we usually ask people are things about like, how do you stay motivated about your work, right? Like, how do you kind of stay passionate about this? And you're fairly new into this, right? This is a, this is a new career squiggle for you, right? Moving into this area. Oh, Um, yeah. And so how are you going to kind of keep going with this? So I've found that every time my motivation starts to wane, I'm like, what am, what am, what's happening right now? And I realize it's because my focus starts to shift onto me and like almost like I am judging myself. I'm criticizing myself. As soon as I put it onto the, the people who need my help, the people who need my service, who want me. As soon as I shift it, even if they don't exist yet, as soon as I shift my mindset to those people, all the people that I can help, I can help them get what they want, make the decisions like easier. Um, That's when my motivation is like, oh my God, I got to hop on. Who can I help? Like, so giving myself um, like a plan at that point, it's like not just like I can get excited pretty easily, but if I don't have a plan in front of me, then that's where I can get a little bit lost. Like, oh, so so being kind to myself, taking a deep breath, sometimes shutting the computer off, going outside and just doing something there is learning to take a break. That That's what I'm learning to kind of balance right now. And I know that that's the key in keeping me going because I need to also reserve my own energy for myself if I'm going to be you know, devoting it to other people. Power, the power of the pause, I call it. Oh, yeah. The power of the pause. And I also heard in there, you know, like shifting and making sure that you're sitting in an abundant mindset. Because when we flip into scarcity, that, I mean, I can speak for that, that 
becomes my roadblock. Like I don't call in any clients. I don't call in any opportunities. Like, like everything just comes to a screeching halt. And usually it's because, you know, because I'm not clear on something. And as soon as I can shift and be, you know, in an abundant mindset and I'm clear in terms of what I want to call in, that's when the opportunities and the clients and the, and the right profiles of clients that I want to work with appear, like literally appear on my doorstep. Ah, and actually being able to like admit you're in scarcity too, was also like a, a hurdle for me to get over. Like mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, someone had men- said something to me like, oh, you know, you're really just thinking from a place of scarcity. And I was thinking, how dare they? What did they mean by that? And, you know, so I took it as like, oh, a jab. But then when I really like allowed myself to question it, to be open to that idea, to really look at what I was doing, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I totally am. I'm coming from scarcity. And that's why I am being so like grabby about things like that grabby energy, that convincing energy. It's because I'm really just trying to convince myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think for a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, we get into that mindset, right? I, I've i played the game in my head so many times of, okay, how many months out do I have enough money in the bank for, right, in my business? You know, do I have enough to cover three months or six months? Like, you know, and and when's my next client coming in? Oh, gosh, I don't have someone booked for the next, you know, I'm all, I only have people booked for the next four months, not six months. You know, then it, it makes you pause and say, like, oh, wait, I'm booked solid for the next four months, you know? And kind of switching your brain onto that can be really helpful. And I also am a firm believer in things come your way, right? When you're ready for them. And so I think if you're in that scarcity mindset, things aren't going to come your way because you're not ready for them. Well, you're filling the space with things that aren't meaningful. I know that I had to learn to say no. And I remember taking on clients, even though in say, a discovery call or just that first inform like informational let's see if there's a fit call i my gut my intuition was like hard no 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 and then sure enough something you know there would be a moment where i was like and that would be why <laughs> that would be why i was telling myself no and really li- like just listening to that but being able to say no you know it allows, again, it just creates the space for what you really want and the profile of client or the project or whatever it is to find its way, um, find its way to you. So it takes a lot of confidence though, to say no and to turn somebody down and to say, I don't think this project's the right fit, or I don't think that this client profile or is, is the right fit, but it certainly is liberating when we can, when we can actually get really clear and, and turn, you know, and turn away business. So the way I think about scarcity too, or the way I can overcome it is by really defining it for my brain, because my brain has no idea what that means when I say I don't have enough money, because I haven't defined it. What What is enough right. money? So you, in coaching, you learn, you literally have to tell it what it, what's the number that is enough. And then like when we reach that, like wh- what's going on here? Like we're at the number. So that's how we know it's not actually the amount of money that's causing us to feel like that. It's actually us thinking it's not enough. 
And when you realize that difference, that's when you can really dive deep and like really switch your thinking if you want to. Oh, I love that line there though, Jill, if you want to, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the key there, right? When people come to you, they need to want to make the change or we need to want to look at things differently. Um, Have you had some people who you're like, this is my ideal client these days, right? Like who's, who's like the best kind of person to work with you? The best type of person to work with me is someone having, well, this is what I like to work with. I really like working with people on their relationship problem. So in their dating lives or in their relationships with a romantic partner, for some reason, I just, I really identify with this. I've had to do a lot of work on myself on this area of my life. And for some reason, like I just, I, I get it. I love hearing when, you know, people are, you know, I'm having trouble with this and this, and I just love showing them how, you know, their mindset is contributing and to show them that, oh, look at, you can choose to be a victim, but you're going to have to bring along this suffering with you if you keep choosing the victim. But if you can potentially be open to giving up that role as victim, if you are open to it, then we we can give you some power back here and you you can make changes in your life and in your relationship and you don't even need your partner to do it. I, I don't even need to talk to your partner. I've got you. And that's actually where all the change needs to come from. Nice. All right. So before we wrap, we have a couple of things we love to do at the end here. And the first is asking you, what is the one piece of career advice you have for our listeners? Mm, I think it would be to really embrace discomfort and really understand why that discomfort is happening. So if you feel uncomfortable because you know you want to make a career change, I want you to really ask yourself, why? Is it you know because I, I'm afraid of what other people are going to think? Am I afraid of what my partner is going to think? Am I afraid what the world's going to think? What do I think the world generally thinks about it? And then get really clear on your reason for that discomfort in your body. And then I want you to make a very conscious decision and decide, is this a reason that really aligns with who I am? Is this a reason I want to keep? Is this is this belief serving me as the person I am now and the person I want to become? Oh, great last line there, right? Is this belief serving me and the person I am and want to become? All right, Christine, I'm going to toss it to you. Do you want to and do our rapid fire oh, fun yeah. questions here for Jill? Okay, are you ready, Jill? We've got five fun questions. So we yeah. want to know, are you a cats or dogs person? Oh, cats. I got my little baby right here. Oh, so cute. Are you an adventure or a relaxing kind of vacation person. Oh my God. Adventure all of the way. Like I am either scuba diving, I am caving or I am rock climbing or um, whatever terrain. I'm going to make it an adventure. Oh, love it. Okay. Pen or pencil? Ooh, a pencil because then I can erase my mistakes. Are you a mechanical pencil or are you one of those old fashioned HP? I think they were yellow with an eraser on top. 
kind oh, of mechanical off. all the way. Oh, like I, don't, there you go. I can even conserve like a little bit, you know, of the environment by just ordering the little leads. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm the, the sharpener, sharpener kind of pencil. Are you salty or sweet? Ooh, I think salty. Like I am known for being very direct, more direct than the average woman. And let me tell you, it's gotten me into some trouble, but I, I kind of like it because it challenges me to really question, well, why did I say that? And I get to like really decide. It helps me dig deeper into me and who I am and if I like it. And are you Excel or PowerPoint? Oh, I think I would have to be Excel because I have a little bit, I also did a minor in IT. So I have a little bit of programming and a little bit of a data analyst course. So I love spreadsheets and all the like math and things you could do with them. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing your squiggle story. If any of our listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you out there in the world of, of social media? So they can either go to my website, becomewhatyouarecoaching.com. They can find me on Instagram, becomewhatyouarecoaching. And Facebook, if you search become what you are coaching again, I'm very easy. Guys, find me. Very easy to find you. Well, we'll have to. I don't think I follow you, so I'll have to go and source out your social media sites as well. Well, and for all of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. You too can follow Embrace the Swiggle on Instagram and stay connected with myself at christine.thody on Instagram and Christine Thody at, or sorry, on LinkedIn. And Colleen, where can our listeners find you? Sure, I'm at Colleen Delve on Instagram or Colleen Delvecchio on LinkedIn as well. We will continue to share lots of updates and in additional insights from our guests, our listeners, and even just our own journey in terms of coaching and, and all of the good things that Colleen and I are involved in outside of this podcast. So please don't forget to like and subscribe and join us again as we embark on a transformative journey of professional discovery with all of our fabulous guests. Is it time for you to add a little squiggle to your career? Join us every week to hear from another guest talk about how they embrace the squiggle. Subscribe now and find your inspiration.